Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens. I'm your host, Dr. Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, nursing professor, and mom of four teens. I'll serve as your expert guide to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. We will explore health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. My co-host for this series will be Pastor Brian Haynes, who will guide us through the spiritual impacts and help us grow our faith. Let's explore conversation keys together and get started. Welcome to episode nine of the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast. Today, we're talking about sex and sexting how to be naked and unafraid. I hope you have your copy of Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. We're talking about book chapter eight today. Let's dive right in, shall we? Okay, let me give this disclaimer right up front. There is absolutely no other subject that makes parents shake in their boots and have shaky, sweaty trepidation than this one. Today, we are talking about sex. Yep, that's right. And you know what? It's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Just hang in there with me. Sex is not a secret thing, but it is a sacred thing, and we should adjust our mindset accordingly when talking to our kids. If we're honest, we do treat it like some big mysterious secret, likely because that's what your parents did too. I don't know about you, but I grew up in the era of modesty culture, purity rings, abstinence pledges, youth camp, trust falls, WWJD bracelets, sword drills, kissing, dating goodbye, and edgy modern songs like Our God is an Awesome God. Some of you are having some serious flashbacks. Although conversation about faith was frequent, conversation about personal matters was unthinkable. Whispered conversations with my church friends found me listening wide-eyed as they shared sketchy details of sexual escapades and drinking experiments. Their parents didn't know, or if they did, they never said a word. Without the internet, we relied on peer-to-peer information sharing with gems like, you can't get pregnant your first time, or jumping jacks after sex prevents infections. I would have rather died than ask my mother about something like the missionary position, which, by the way, was nothing like any missionaries I'd ever heard about before in church. But the way I learned about the birds and the bees was my mother handing me a book when I was in the fifth grade before watching a video at school where all I remember is a lady making pancakes in the shape of a uterus while talking to her daughter. Weird, right? The next official conversation I had on the matter occurred in my women's health course in nursing school at the age of 18. I listened to a lecture on sex, scribbling notes furiously in absolute shock. I peeked around carefully as the classroom seemed quiet, and to my utter amazement, people were sleeping. They knew this stuff? I took a late-night stealthy trip to Walmart where I sneaked down that aisle to see if the products they told me about in class were, in fact, real. Um, They were. 
Imagine my humiliation as I encountered the word spermicide and an overwhelming variety of condoms in front of God and everybody. I tried to reconcile in my mind this was not some seedy store with neon lights on the freeway, but the place where people bought dental floss and bath towels. I realized in that moment, for the first time, I thought sex was bad and I didn't know why. Here's the thing, though. God designed our sexuality, and we need to be comfortable discussing sexual health in a developmentally appropriate way. We teach toddlers to name their body parts, and listen, some of you are obviously uncomfortable from the beginning because the names I hear in pediatric practice are mm, creatively avoidant. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Preschoolers should understand boundaries of privacy who is allowed to see or touch their body, and in what context. School-aged children need to know the basics of puberty, hygiene, and self-care during those body changes. Preteens should know basic physical reproductive functions and start to learn about self-breast exams, period tracking, and self-testicular exams. Teens should be informed about the details of sexual and reproductive functions, including menstruation, erections, nocturnal emissions, pregnancy, and sexually transmitted infections. Okay, did some of you just get a little squirmy? Hang in there with me. We should approach conversation with normalcy and body positivity. And hear this, it is 100% perfectly okay to be completely awkward in these conversations. Teens value and appreciate authenticity. Listen, I carefully monitor my kids' friend groups, but the conversations they have are shocking. Shocking. How do I know? Because I tell my kids this sentence all the time. You can always tell me anything, no matter how uncomfortable or awkward. So you know what? My kids come to me with this preface. I need to ask you an awkward question. Now, they might sit in a chair with their back to me or ask me not to look at them. That's easy. I can do that. Once, when talking to my son in one of these conversations, his hoodie went over his head with the drawstring tighter and tighter and tighter until I could only see his nose as I talked. When I finished, he said, We shall never speak of this again. But you know what? He got the information he needed from a safe and respected place. Talking to your teens about sex shouldn't be the talk, but rather a series of talks. Give information in small, bite-sized pieces as opportunities present themselves and the need arises. Normalize conversation and you will be amazed at how many questions you'll get, which makes your job easier as you simply serve as a guide on the side. Connecting them to a healthcare provider you trust also gives them an outlet for sensitive conversations and appropriate guidance they can discuss with you. This is what I do all day, every day. You may be thinking, there is no way my kids are exposed to any of this, and I really don't want to expose them just yet. Let me present you with this thought. Intentionally exposing them— In a developmentally appropriate way is a critical tool we have as parents to position ourselves as experts. 
Even a very brief, very basic conversation signals a very important thing, that you know what your kids are facing and you have an open door to talk about it. Let's look at a specific example, pornography. I do not want my kids to know all the atrocious, vile, and disgusting details that happen in pornography, but my daughter was first exposed in the fifth grade through a friend watching a cartoon on YouTube. I had had a conversation with her previously that went just like this. You might see something on the internet that makes you uncomfortable or that seems wrong in some way. Someone might show you something you feel like you shouldn't see, and it can make your body feel different for a moment. If that happens, I want you to come and talk to me about it. You won't be in trouble, and I will help you figure it out. That's it. That's all you have to say. And you know what? My daughter did come to me and said, remember what you said before? Well, I think that happened today. Many parents I talk to are hesitant to talk to their teens about sex because they don't want to, quote, give them ideas, end quote. Okay, let me just stop us all right here. We all know teens already have ideas about sex, plenty of them. And we also know they're usually not very good ideas. So I say, yes, let's give them ideas about sex, good ones that frame it in an appropriate and healthy context. Research supports the fact that teens who talk to their parents about sex are more likely to delay initial sexual behavior. About 55% of teens report having sex before the end of high school, so that's less than half of us who can say, not my teen. Let's talk briefly about sexting before we close out this first segment here together. Sexting is a very normative communication mode for teens. It's usually not a question of if you should sext, but rather how and when you should sext. Sexting is a combination of the words sex and texting, and we've been using this term since 2009. That was definitely not in our lifetime as teens. It's important to realize sexting is not just photos. It can start as steamy text messages, just words or audio messages or photos or videos. In my experience, I usually see it on a continuum starting as what you might call racy and progressing to explicit. I hope you'll go back and review all of the specifics of the intersection of criminality and sexting that are outlined for you in Behind Closed Doors. It's so important for teens to know, but at the same time, Threatening your teens with scare tactics and having the shame and stigma of criminal proceedings is in no way a deterrent or an effective or therapeutic response. While some health experts take the stance that sexting should be a normalized behavior, and there is some reasonable dialogue to be had around safer sexting, science suggests there is a correlation of sexting and sexual risk behaviors— unprotected sex, increased number of partners, and lack of contraception use. You cannot underestimate the power of sexuality. Your teens are watching once quote-unquote wholesome child stars use it to transform their careers. And you know why? Because it works. When your teens sex, messages they hear are, you're desirable, beautiful, confident, strong, Contrast that with messages we as parents give about sexting. 
Ew, that's trashy. Mm, nasty. I'm glad you're too smart to do that. Which message do you think will win in the decision-making process? We have to leave a door open for grace. No one wants their teen to sex, but our kids aren't perfect, and neither are we. Leaving a door open encourages early disclosure before great harm. Let's pause here and just go to that moment of discovery or disclosure. No parent wants to think that or go there, but if you don't, you'll be relying on the reaction of your emotions in the moment. In any situation of disclosure, practice saying this. We've done this before. I'm going to do it again. Are you ready? Say, this news is upsetting and I have some questions. Let's take some time to process our emotions before we talk about this, but no matter what this looks like right now, I love you no matter what, and we'll find a way through this together. These simple words could literally change the course of your teen's life. Well, it's time to welcome back Pastor Brian, pastor of Bay Area Church and Bay Area Christian School in League City. Brian, welcome back. Hi, and thanks for having me back. Well, today we are talking about sex and sexting. Whoa, let's just dive right in. This is the one topic of all the topics we're talking about that I hear parents say they feel the least prepared and ill-equipped, the most uncomfortable to address with their kids. And I said in Behind Closed Doors that sex is not a secret thing, but it is a sacred thing. How can we as parents convey in any way that's comfortable to our kids that sex is a good thing when there are healthy boundaries? Yeah, I think uh, the mistake parents make often is waiting too long to talk, talk about <laughs> sex at all. So uh, we teach people at our church, parents at our church, that it's really important to talk about sex in age-appropriate ways from a very early age with your child, uh, four years old, five years old. And it may sound like that's cr that's crazy to, <laughs> to the listener, but what we have found is that when we begin to talk about our design at that young age and our anatomy and what our parts are for and all yes. of those kinds of things, those are important conversations that lead to different conversations as they grow into their preteen years and teenage years. And when you do that from a very young age and create an environment where there are no uh, questions that are off the table in this category, it makes for very healthy conversation over time. But the trick for me is you have to start uh, early. That is exactly the instruction that I give, and we are on the same page there because I've said it a million times, but positioning yourself as an expert, as a parent, is so important mm -hmm. so they know that door is open. And you may not get that, you know, oh, thanks so much. I'd love to talk about this. That's right. not what happens. But they know that door is open. And, you know, biblically speaking, the Song of Solomon provides vivid imagery of sexuality that is definitely not Jesus rated. And this is something, hopefully, your two-year-old has a Bible in their room. But it's there. Although my teens can make endless jokes about your hair is like a flock of goats or your teeth being like right. newly shorn sheep, right? But what wisdom can we gain about God's design for sexuality from that book to share with our teens today? Yeah, I mean, I think that book is uh, pretty incredible. It's very poetic and artistic, so it's uh, it could be a little bit hard to understand 
when you're reading it, but what it does is paint this beautiful picture of intimacy and tells us God's design for sexuality. It tells us that it's great and it's exciting uh, when done within his design and his way. And it, it gives us permission to enjoy this gift that he's given to us. And it, you know, it's really the world or the culture that has put a stigma that's negative on sexuality. Maybe the church has contributed to that, but when you really understand sexuality and sex from God's perspective, you realize it's a gift that he's given to us as humans um, and it's to be enjoyed. And Song of Solomon really paints that picture for us. And I, I know with our girls along the way, uh, that's a conversation that we've had straight out of that book is that this is something that is uh, God meant for our good and for his glory, honestly. And so um, so don't think bad thoughts about it. Um, when done his way by it, by design, man, it's good. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and I've had those conversations with my four teens and have shared those stories. And I think, you know, and the church, sometimes if we don't talk about it at all, we do give the impression that it's something bad. And then when teens are there, when they're in that moment, they feel trapped. That's what I see as as a pediatric nurse practitioner. So I want to go to that moment with you as a pastor. A parent finds out their teen is sexting or maybe has had sex. And I can tell you from my experience that parents, that teens are way more afraid of their parents finding out than they are afraid to engage in risky behaviors. So how can parents respond in that moment with grace in a way that doesn't frame all hope for their future through that singular lens of a sexual experience? Mm-hmm. I think this is a really scary issue for parents uh, on multiple fronts. I mean, we want our kids to be little forever on the one hand. And so when they start dabbling in this kind of stuff, it just it's just scary. Secondly, we worry about diseases and all that kind of stuff. And thirdly, if we have girls, we're like, you're going to get pregnant. You know, there's yeah. that whole like just, oh, my goodness, you know. And so it's hard for parents not to react in the moment with um, anger that's fear-based. Um, And so we try to coach parents uh, this way in that our first words, when we find something like this out, whether we've been told by that that teenager, that child, or whether they got busted and we found out about it, our first words to them really, really matter. And so we don't want to frame this event as an identity issue, like you are terrible, dirty, you know. um, You've ruined your life. You've ruined your life. Yeah, we don't want to frame it as an identity issue. The best thing to do in that moment is to apply the grace that we would require. And I just think about my own life. You know, I didn't have an iPhone when I was 13 years old, but I know my life, you know, and uh, I require grace in this category. And so, man, we have to lean in with a bit of understanding um, 
physiologically, their hormones are going crazily. Secondarily, they do live in an age when, when technology just pushes this issue uh, in, in greater and younger ways than maybe we experienced as their parents. And so to say, um, I wanna talk to you about this because it has consequences, but first I really want you to know how much I love you and nothing you can do will change how I feel about you. Those are words of power at first mention. And this is really important and actually gives you the re relational capital to have the conversation you need to have. But if you start with your life is over as you knew it, you know, all those things, um, you've, you've, you've lost. And that reminds me of something you said in an earlier episode about words of power versus words of pain. And this is a watershed moment for teens a lot of times. And it's a lot of pressure to think that our response can literally shape the course of our teen's future. Mm -hmm. But the other side of that is that God has given us that to steward and that power and that we can do that. And I don't know about you, but I find hope in that. Yeah, me too. I I think about hope in two ways in, in, in these scenarios. One is uh, none of this, in my view of God, none of this was surprising to him. It may feel wrecking to your family life or your parenthood or for that child, but none of this was surprising to him. And he is this like great redeemer, restorer, and he can take the things that were meant for evil in our lives and change them into beautiful things. And so that's where I lean in as a pastor and offer parents hope. Like this feels like a really terrible moment, but it may be used by God uh, in hugely incredible ways. And so let's hold on to that and let's, let's help them day by day navigate their emotions, what they experienced, how to avoid that in the future, you know, all those kinds of things. Yes, because God does want to give them a hope and a mm -hmm. future. Right. I love that. Well, thanks again, Pastor Brian, for your words of wisdom delivered with grace and truth. We appreciate it so much. Mm -hmm. Thanks. That concludes this episode. I hope you've made it okay. I told you it was going to be okay, and I hope that you are okay and that you have gotten through this uncomfortable conversation, and I do hope you'll join us next time. Here's your homework. Read Chapter 8 of Behind Closed Doors and do all of the activities. Your legacy is a fun opportunity to choose a current favorite photo of your teen. Find me on Spotify and check out the love-themed playlist. Last but not least, subscribe at drnursemama.com to access all the resources waiting just for you. See you next time on the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, home of happy parents and healthy teens. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama show. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Nurse Mama. You can find Pastor Brian at brianhaines.org or on Facebook at Dr. Brian Haynes. Tune in next time and invite a friend.